I'm glad you're here for the first Sunday of 2014. Happy New Year. We're glad you're here to worship with us at Evanston Battle Fellowship. My name is Jason Lancaster, and I am the lead pastor here, and we are going to do something different here this morning. For those of you who have been going here a while, you know what's coming, but most of you do not. That's why I want to kind of give you a heads up. Uh, I realize the children are still in here. We're going to dismiss them here in a bit. I'm going to give a little introduction now to my sermon. This is part of the sermon this morning and what we're going to be doing. So let me give you a little background. And because the kids are still in here, I'm going to speak in code a little bit. And um, for those of you who are adults or a little bit older, will know what I'm talking about. About 13 years ago in my life, when I was living in Los Angeles as a pastor, there was a time where I did not want to live anymore, that I just wanted to be done, be over with this life. I was going through some really hard times, and I've been told by some uh, people that I'm not supposed to be sharing that with my congregation, but I don't care, because I know there's some of you who have had some times like that before as well. And you need encouragement that there is hope. So I went to go see a very old man down the freeway, and I went to his house, and he was a counselor of sorts, and I told him my problems, and I told him I wanted to check out. He offered me healing words of the gospel, of healing, of truth, and he ministered to me to very, during a very dark time in my life. One of the things that he said to me, he said, what you need to do is you need to learn how to, you know, swap out your messed up thinking for the truth of God's word. You need to replace some of your wayward thinking with the truth of what the Bible says. And one of the ways that he encouraged me to do that was something called scripture memory. I know it sounds pretty formal when you think of scripture memory, and we talk about it a lot during the new year. But I started memorizing scripture because I was absolutely desperate for truth, for God's truth, to be dwelling in my heart, to be dwelling in my mind. I wasn't memorizing scripture because I was trying to get Awana bucks, though there's nothing wrong with Awana bucks, and you kids can give me some of your bucks today if you'd like. But there was this method that he gave me. It's nothing special about the method. You can use whatever method works for you. But this method he gave me of memorizing scripture allowed me to work on it about five minutes or more per day and memorize hundreds of verses. I have that method out there in the lobby for you on the table that you can pick it up when you're done. But like I said, you're not going to memorize scripture nor stick with it and you can, unless you feel a sense of desperation. Desperation prods you on. So that's what prodded me on. Then about four years ago, I went away on sabbatical. For those of you who are here, you remember that. I went away for a couple months. And when I came back from sabbatical, I decided that I didn't want to just memorize verses, isolated verses. I decided that I wanted to memorize larger chunks of Scripture. And as I started memorizing larger chunks of Scripture to try to understand the context and to dwell on bigger passages, I thought, you know, why don't I just start sharing these with the church? on Sunday morning. So if you've been with us over the last four years on Sunday morning, I've had opportunity to share with you 
the book of 1 John, Malachi, the Sermon on the Mount. And the reason why I'm sharing these things with you is twofold. One, I want to encourage you to consider memorizing Scripture. Two, I want you to hear the Bible the way the early church heard the Bible. They didn't pop open a book. They didn't look at an app. They were hearing it. And I want to kind of ask you to hear it the way they heard it. So today is kind of radical. I'm asking you to not open your Bible today, to not look at your Bible, to listen to the word as the early church would have heard the word as well. This is what we're going to do. Two years ago, we started, at least I started, working on memorizing Romans. Now, to quote the whole book of Romans in one setting would take a while. So I've broken it up into chunks. Two years ago, it was kind of fun, on Christmas Day, we did Romans 1 through 3. Two years ago, on New Year's Day, a week later, we did Romans 4 through 6. Last year, for the first Sunday in the new year, we did Romans 7 and 8. And this morning, for the first Sunday in 2014, we are going to do Romans 9 through 11 and 12. 12 is a bonus because 9 through 11 is very heavy. And what you're going to do is nothing. You're not going to take notes. You're not going to read anything. You're just going to listen to God's Word. Now, as a little heads up, on the scripture you're going to be hearing, it's very heavy. We'll be talking about, you know, sin, gospel, restoration, and Jesus, right? Well, Romans 9 through 11 com- covers the issue of Israel. What do we do about the Jews? Are they not going to be saved? Will any be saved? And Paul elaborates on that in detail in Romans 9 through 11. He talks a lot about sovereignty. Some of the most controversial passages are in Romans 9 through 11. We will start studying that in detail in May. But this morning, I want you to hear it. And then we're going to hit Romans 12. And Romans 12 is a chapter that most of you have heard, that you love. We heard it preached about a couple months ago by Joe Pammon. It was really good. But it's going to be talking about, you know, offering your entire body as a living sacrifice, which is very appropriate for the new year. It's also going to be talking about the renewal of your mind. And obviously, one of the ways we can renew our minds is by memorizing the Word of God and hiding God's Word in our hearts. So for this morning, we're going to have a little bit of recitation, a little bit of music, a little bit of recitation, a little bit of music, a little bit of recitation, a little bit of music, and we'll finish it off by celebrating the Lord's Supper together. That's what we're going to do. Put your Bibles away. Don't you dare read them. Not today. So we're going to continue with worship, and at this time we're going to dismiss the kids. So parents, you can go ahead and take those who you want to take and come on back as we memorize the Word of God. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from their race according to the flesh is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever. Amen.
but it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. But through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but it is the children of the promise who are counted as offspring. For this is what the promise said. About this time next year, I will return and Sarah shall have a son. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing, either good or bad, in order that God's purpose in election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger. As it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very reason I have raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then, he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Well, what does mold it say to its molder? Why have you made me like this? potter no right over the clay to make out of the same vessel and the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use what if God desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power has endured with much patience vessels of wrath destined for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory to vessels of mercy prepared beforehand for glory even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. As indeed he says in Hosea, those who are not my people, I will call my people. And her who is not beloved, I will call beloved. And at the very place where it was said to them, you are not my people, there they shall be called sons of the living God. And Isaiah cries out concerning Israel, Though the number of the sons of Israel be as the sand of the sea, only a remnant of them will be saved. For the Lord will carry out his sentence upon the earth fully and without delay. And as Isaiah predicted, if the Lord of hosts had not left us offspring, we would have become like Sodom and been like Gomorrah. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is a righteousness that is by faith. But that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. But as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I am laying a stone 
and Zion, a rock of stumbling and a log of offense. And whoever believes in him shall not be put to shame. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. But the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then? Will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how will they believe in him in whom they've never heard? And how will they hear without someone preaching to them? And how are they going to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they've not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing in hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed, they have. For their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I've been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long I have held up my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. I ask then, has God rejected his people by no means for I myself am an Israelite a descendant of Abraham a member of the tribe of Benjamin God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah how he appeals to God against Israel Lord they have killed your prophets they have demolished your altars and I alone am left and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, 
there is a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened, as it is written. God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. So I ask, did Israel stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Now, I'm speaking to you Gentiles, and as much then I'm an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order that somehow I may make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. If the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches are broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. Then you will say, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? Lest you become wise in your own sight, I want you to understand this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel into the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and in this way all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob, and this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sin. As regards the gospel, they are enemies of God for your sake, but as regards 
election. They are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient in order that by the mercy shown to you, they may also now receive mercy. For God has consigned all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Oh, the depth of the wisdom and riches and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how unscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself. But leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, 
Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heat burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 